It's me. It's me. It's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws. And you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter too, at VOC Nation. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Talking Sass. And happy holidays to everybody who is out there celebrating. I hope that you have nothing but the best and happiest of holidays and continued blessings into the new year. And speaking of blessings, I just want to give a little shout out to Zach, who is a teenager here in the Montreal area who I met a couple years ago. He has been commenting a lot on my YouTube, and I'm so excited to have him comment and get some engagement going. So props to you, Zach. And you know what? Be like Zach. Go to YouTube or your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. And that way you never miss a second of Talking Sass. You can also follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Sassy Stuffy. Now tonight, this episode, we have two amazing guests. Of course, Dan Murphy is returning for our pro wrestling history lesson. And you know what? He gives us not one, but two. So tune in, make sure you stay to the end so you get both of those because they are great history lessons that I'm sure you guys are going to love and some of you may even remember. But our first guest, she is a former Knockouts champion. She's a former two-time Knockouts tag team champion. She gets wild on Wednesdays. It is the one and only Taylor Wilde. Welcome back to Talking Sass. I am so excited today because my guest is a former TNA Knockouts champion, two-time TNA Knockouts tag team champion. She's a mama. She has her own podcast, which she gets wild on Wednesdays. This is Taylor Wilde. Hey, Taylor. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to have you on the show finally. Yes. Thank you for making it work. Our lives are crazy and (laughs) you've been nothing but accommodating. Well, like we were talking about earlier, like us being moms and podcasting and everything, really our schedule all depends on what the young ones are doing at that time. Yeah. And I had like a great system where I was always doing my interviews uh, when my son naps because he used to be a great napper. So he'd be sleeping between like one and three and I could knock it out, Mm -hmm. send it off to my editor and be done. And they started dropping his nap. So then it got moved to after eight o'clock, which was good, except on days after I work, which I work 24 hour shifts as a firefighter and usually come eight o'clock, like I'm ready for a glass of wine and turn my brain off or my brain's just not working at all. So, (laughs) oh, I can't blame you on that. Like 
I couldn't imagine doing a job for 24 hours and then having to come home and take care of my little guy too. So more, more power to you. That's amazing. No problem. (laughs) So the, one of the first things I actually want to talk you about, talk to you about is you had a very influential way in my wrestling career, even though we have never met. Really? Yes. So I'm taking you back probably, I'm guessing 2005-ish, maybe 2006. I was ring announcing for a while. And one of the pro wrestlers that I was on a lot of shows with was like, hey, why don't you actually train? Like you like it. You seem to know what you're doing. Why don't you train? And I was this epiphany just like went off. I was like, holy crap. I never even thought about it. I should. So I ended up going to a bunch of different shows, checking out where they had women's divisions. Cause I was like, I want to go somewhere where I'm going to actually have somebody that I can work on a regular basis. Cause then intergender wrestling really wasn't as big as it is now. So I went to OCW, which is Ohio championship wrestling. And it was Lexi Lane at the time versus Chantal Taylor. And I watched it and I was like, you know what? I know, I know Lexi trains at OCW. This is the school that I'm going to pick because of that match. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I was like, I can't wait to share this story with you. Cause I was like, <laughs> I've, like I said, we've never met. And I was like, I've always, I've always been in tuned with women's wrestling, even like before I started wrestling. And I was like, mm-hmm. so obviously I knew who you were. I knew. And like, when I saw you wrestle Lexi, I didn't know Lexi at the time either, which is now Madison rain, of course. Right. And, uh, I was like, God, I was like, I want to train there. I was like, that's amazing. And then actually you were booked on like two or three shows for OCW, like in the future. And for some reason it never worked out that you actually got to come back in. So we never got to cross paths actually. So it was such a bummer. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So we're part of each other's history. (laughs) Exactly. You know, in this small wrestling world that we call a family, it, it happens. Yeah, absolutely. But like I said, you have been around for a while. Like I said, I was very in tuned into the wrestling in the women's wrestling side of things. And you debuted in 2003 at the age of 17. Now, most places that I go to or know about school-wise, you have to be 18 to actually train. So how did that work out for you? Um, so I, when I turned 17, I actually went to uh, a reputable school in Toronto where a lot of big names uh, came out of um Edgen Christian, my trainer, Rob Fuego, Tracy Brooks, Gail Kim. But I came in at the latter end of their training years to the point where the original trainer, Ron Hutchinson, he wasn't actually training people anymore. Mm-hmm. He had um a partner who was doing the training. Long story short, my parents had to sign off um if you're under 18 you all have to have a kind of meeting to make sure everyone's on the same page that almost like a little mini psychological evaluation. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I started training and I paid, well, my parents paid a ton of money for me to train infinitely essentially. And six months later, they closed up their door uh, unbeknownst to us. And that was it. So uh, I showed up at the school that did like they did a little bit of, you know, the, the foundation with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I found Rob Fuego, who was running Squared Circle Training in Toronto. And it was the same sort of thing. I told them my sob story about Ron Hutchinson, who had trained my trainer originally. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, he was like, oh, well, that's terrible. You obviously have a passion for it. Again, you're under 18, so we need your parents' consent. And uh, my poor mother, you know, <laughs> she, she supports everything I've ever done. But, you know, you can imagine it. it's not every mom's dream to have a, her little girl grow up to be a professional wrestler. But she still came in. She still signed on the dotted line. And uh, that was essentially how that, that all happened. It was a... Uh, it was an open relationship. There was no secrets. It's not like I lied or anything or had yeah. a fake ID. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And going talking about mothers, my mom, like when I told her I was going to train to be a professional wrestler, she's like, oh. okay, <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. And then like, it, I stuck with it for like 13 years. And she was like, I, okay. <laughs> but she was my biggest fan. Did your mom ever come to any of your shows when you were in Toronto? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Both my parents ended up being huge fans, but um, they're fans of very different things. Like my father is a huge fan of the physicality. Uh, my mom is more a fan of like vignettes and promos and uh, photo shoots and stuff like that. <laughs> so she, she, she found her own way to love it. Oh, that's amazing. See, my parents, when I was young, they went to WrestleMania three originally. So I was like wow. a little, little kid. Yeah. So they were into it. It's always in my, in my uh, childhood. And then like, I didn't fall in love with it until I saw Sensational Sherry here with uh, Shawn Michaels. Ah. But that was how I got like, as a kid, that's like what really got me into it. But then like both my parents just kind of drifted away and I just kind of stayed with it. And like, I found independent wrestling around 12 years old. And I was like, mom dad take me to the show and they're like what okay <laughs> sure oh that's cool yeah so you're a really young fan I did and you know what like I said like you know I'm not actively wrestling now I was like but I'm still like I'll always be a fan like right. even though I know the inside outs of the business now I'll always just be a fan like no matter what happens <laughs> And how do you feel about your son in wrestling? Would you allow him to be a wrestler? Me? I, t I say yes. My okay. husband, on the other hand, he was also in the business. And he's like, oh, what's he? uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well. so he, it's funny because you would expect the mom to be more of the side. Like, oh, I don't know. But no, yeah. me, I'm like, if that's what he wants to do, sure. I had a blast with him. My husband had a blast too, but he's just like, I don't, I don't know if I want him to be involved in everything in the business that, you know, you see and you, right. you know, may go down that dark rabbit hole. For me, I of never, course. I never did that. You know, I was never into the drugs and all that kind of yeah. stuff that you can see sometimes. But for yeah. me, I rarely saw that. I don't know other people. Who knows? Maybe I was just working the right promotions, I guess. I don't you know. Work, you were working the right promotions. <laughs> Let's keep it there. That's yeah. good. I'm glad you had that experience. Well, not that I didn't ever see anything. I did. Yeah. But it I wasn't something that, I don't know, I guess interested me. Right. No, no, no. I hear you. To each of their own. Yes. To each their own. Yeah. So when you started wrestling, you got, eventually you went to developmental with WWE. And I, I listened to your podcast with Chrissy Vane and some of your other ones. And that wasn't exactly the uh, best of times from what I understand. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I can't judge what the system is now because it sounds like it's very, very different. And for the better, when we were there, it, it was an extension of the Divas era. Um, their Their focus was on 
the models and then hiring models and then turning them into wrestlers. And the female wrestlers that they had, they basically treated like dog shit. Yes. Um, <laughs> we, we had our purposes. Um, we were there to wrestle. And if we got to, you know, the main roster, it was like, we were just lucky. But it felt like, for the most part, we were the just we were there as like a talent enhancement, for lack of better term. We mm-hmm. were there to train the girls that didn't slug it out on the indies. So it created this real divide. And, you know, looking back, we were also young and protective of the business. And, you know, we'd made it that far. So we wanted to make it and we felt this major injustice. So it, that in itself caused an unhealthy locker room environment. Uh, and then just the actual treatment of women was absolutely uh, like unfathomable in 2020. Like we had to weigh in every week, which in itself is archaic because weight is not even indicative of health. Like right. if you, you know, yourself as a woman, if you're two to three pounds heavier from, you know, week to week, maybe you're on your period. Maybe you ate a burrito. Maybe like, and you would have to give an explanation to why you weighed more. Um, and if you weighed less, it was like, woo, bring out the, like, marching band. Like, it, there was just some, the, like, the discrimination. It's not like the guys had to weigh in. Right. <laughs> um, but what I will say, as I've always experienced in professional wrestling amongst the women, we band together, we make it work, and we have, can I swear on this podcast? Of course. It's the internet. Okay. We, okay. we had a fucking blast. You know, we were a family. Even though we got under each other's skin and, you know, we fought in the ring and outside the ring, at the end of the day, we accumulated amazing stories. Definitely. And that's like the, like I tell people, like the best thing about wrestling is not necessarily like being in the ring. It's like the stuff that happens with like the people that you surround yourself with outside of the ring, like either, you know, writing two shows or, you know, going to dinner afterwards or whatever the case, like you end up forming these amazing bonds with people. Yeah. And that was kind of the beautiful thing that came from my podcast, Wild Bond, as I started it to showcase my girlfriends because so many of us are, of course, we're these badass female wrestlers, but there's so much more to us. We're academics, we're moms, we're intuitive healers, we're musicians and artists. And, and th- that information isn't available. Like, you know, our wikis just state, like, where we're from, where we've wrestled, like nothing, nothing more. There's so much more substance. But it also ended up kind of turning into this live audible biography where I got to walk down memory lane. And even though I haven't spoken to a lot of these girls in 10 years, you know, they're still very much my sisters. It's like nothing's changed. And, you know, we get to recall all these silly, ridiculous things like sleeping in a bathtub in Ireland or, (laughs) you know, you've heard some of the stories, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. I listened to quite a few and that, you know, I started my podcast, like I didn't want it to be just women's wrestling, but like wrestling in general and even entertainment. Like if there's somebody that I know 
and yeah. I'll ask them to ha- come on the show. But like, it's just fun to like walk down memory lane, like you said. And like, there's a lot of people yeah. that I've had on as well too, that I'm just like, man, I forgot about that story. And yeah. it's just, it's so much fun because you get to show like, okay, yeah, there is the dark side, but there's also this fun, amazing side that a lot of people don't get to hear about because most of the time, the negative stuff is what's going to get the attention from everybody anyway. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think it's really great. Like people are like, oh, everybody has a podcast. But I think it's great that people are podcasting because we are in this time in the world that we've never experienced. Like our generation has never experienced anything traumatic. We've never lived through a war. We've never lived through a depression. But here we are in a pandemic and we're forced to stay inside. We're you know, a lot of us are forced to work from home. We need creative outlets and uh, people need a break from the constant stress of what's going on in the world. So we're providing entertainment, but it's also cathartic for us. So I, I think it's this really great, exciting movement. I agree. Like my husband actually pushed me to start my podcast and I was like, oh, okay, you know, it'll be fun. So I did. And now I'm like, man, like I like shooting like two or three interviews a week. Like I'm a month ahead of time usually because I'm just like, I'm just like yeah, I'm just like, I want to go and talk to so-and-so today because I haven't talked to them in, you know, six years since I moved to Canada. And yeah. I'm like, oh, this is so much fun. And it's another way that I can connect with human beings while still being in my house and sharing these great right. stories. Right. And I think the great thing about podcasts are they're, they're like a it's like people, it's like a voyeuristic experience. Like you're mm-hmm. listening to two friends or, you know, social acquaintances have this intimate conversation and you get to be a part of it. So I, I find it probably really comforting. Like I've become a big fan of podcasts now that I have my own podcast. It wasn't really the other way around. That's the same. My husband, when I first started, he's like, you need to start listening to podcasts. And I was like, uh, but I don't really have time. And now that I yeah. do... I do. I sit at home while I'm working. I just throw on some headphones and I listen to a podcast while I'm working and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, like I really enjoy this or this person or this person or like, oh, hey, look, I'm going to interview, you know, Taylor Wilde this week. Let me listen to all of her podcasts or, oh, hey, she was just on this. Let me listen to her on this. Like, it's amazing. Like, I just love that there's, I now have time to like sit down and enjoy people that I either grew up or I know or whatever talking and enjoying everything and it's just amazing because it's such a negative time in the world anyway agreed fully agreed so let's go back and talk more about being in TNA because after WWE you went to TNA and here you become you know a knockouts champion and also the two-time knockouts champion or knockouts tag champion sorry (laughs) But what was amazing that I didn't know when I did my research is you were the first person to be able to hold those titles. Like you were the knockouts champion and then the the knockouts tag team champions. You were the first person that held both of those titles. Yeah, I was the first, Sarah, Sarita and I were the Mm -hmm. first ever knockout tag champions. And yeah, so I guess, yeah, I I didn't, I haven't thought of it that way. I guess so, wow. <laughs> See, you're learning new things about yourself. <laughs> Go me, woo. <laughs> but I mean, that's pretty, I mean, people got to have a lot of faith in you to, to put their championship on you. And then you're the first ever, like you said, TNA knockouts tag team champions. I mean, that's got to be a lot of responsibility for you to hold within a company. Yeah, for sure. Um, when I came out of WWE, it was a, a bit of a disillusioned phase, right? Um, because I had been working towards this for so long, and then it kind of just went, 
and you know we they released me and they had nothing for me they wished me the best of my future endeavors and I thought oh fuck it well I guess that's it then because that's mm-hmm. what I had been working towards so I enrolled back into university and I thought I was just going to be a regular civilian and live my life and then six months later um things the stars aligned and I ended up getting hired by TNA uh and it was uh it, it was a challenging time to become into the division because they had just hired 13 knockouts in that mm. span of time. Uh, and it was that really exciting uh, time in the knockouts when they were, for the first time ever, they were featuring two women's matches on the show, multiple vignettes, the storylines were thick with women. Um, and it, yeah, and here I was coming in, this girl that was, you know, relatively unknown. And I just kind of like swooped in there and I was taking the title from Austin Kong. So um, I do know now that I've been able to talk to the girls in hindsight, there were a lot of people that had a lot of faith in me, which was cool. I don't think I knew the amount of pressure that was on me because I was just like, all right, this is my chance. This is what I was working for. Let's show them what I can do. And it was sink or swim. And thank God. I swear. <laughs> Definitely. Cause at that time, I mean, we're talking WWE was still kind of still in the diva phase, of course. So, you yeah. know, they're, they're not really featuring the women as much and that knockout. I mean, the knockouts locker room has always been stacked. In my opinion, there's never been a time where I went like, mm, I don't care. No, it's always super talented women's wrestlers. And even if they're not great women's wrestlers they're trying to advance they're trying to work to be better and stuff like that so it's like there's never been a downtime for the knockouts in my opinion i agree um and um tna and now impact has always had a real uh, soft spot in my heart because i was part of that like og tna knockouts movement where you know arguably that phase changed the trajectory of women's wrestling like definitely on the on the independence um wwe aew like it, it you know it really set a new bar and over the past 10 years even though for a few years i wasn't watching wrestling i am astounded by the level of talent in the women's divisions uh everywhere but yeah especially on impact like it is deep and vast and women are good now and not just good for women good and it's so exciting to see uh and then we have this whole new thing of women headlining shows and uh these intergender storylines like it's it's very exciting and i'm if i'm if i feel like i've left at all a little mark on the history of women's wrestling i'm thankful that i'm so thankful i got to be a part of that time in tna because it was a fucking blast and that's beautiful because like i said you said you know the ogs and it was but like it's tna to me or impact now has always kind of been on the cusp of the future of what women's wrestling is going to lead into besides shimmer of course because shimmer i love shimmer and like god bless them for everything that they've done but like the intergender matches and stuff that, you know, Impact's doing now where like Tessa Blanchard was champion, you have Jordan Grace and you have all these women that are even wrestling in men's matches and becoming champions. Like WWE is eventually going to have to see this and be like, well, we're going to have to do something. I mean, they do every once in a while, like 
you mentioned um, Awesome Kong earlier. She was in the Royal Rumble. Beth Phoenix been in the Royal Rumble. But there's going to have to be, I think, more interaction and lead more towards a more PG-13 era of wrestling than what the WWE has been in. Because right now, I mean, the men and the women still aren't even touching, which is crazy. I I don't know, but I I don't know if that would ever happen in WWE. If it would... I could see it being like a campy sort of like silly storyline, but uh, there's just still so much uh, brother, brother men's world over there. And the women, there are some really talented women, um, especially in NXT. Oh my God. There are some really amazing women in NXT and I just got an Android box and I'm able to catch up now because we don't get to watch NXT in Canada. I don't know about Montreal, but I don't. They have it on, I think it's Sportsnet, but it's like a week and a half, like after it's already played. Uh, So like, I'm like, I don't really bother watching it because of that reason. Like, okay, I've already read the results online. I don't really, unless somebody's like, oh my God, this match was spectacular. You have to see it. Then I'm like, okay, then I'll go watch it. But, and it's only an hour here too. So Uh, it's like, they take the two hour show and condense it. So like there was one time where I love Mercedes Martinez and it was her debut on NXT. And I'm like, I can't wait till next week. Cause like, I'm going to watch it because I love Mercedes. Yeah. And then like they show it and there wasn't Mercedes match. And I was like, Oh, well, that's a like little heart in the dagger there or dagger in the heart because yeah. that's what I wanted to watch. You know, I, I read all the spoilers on everything else. Oh, in Canada. Do? This is my home. I love it. But man, we are so behind with certain things. <laughs> Certain things, yes. But hey, we have free healthcare. That's the best thing oh. since moving from the States to Canada. That is the best thing. Like I ever. Bet that's like a new world for you. Like just a huge stress off of you. Yeah, well, I've been here for six years and for oh. me, like even still, like I'm like, oh, I feel a cold coming on. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna go to the doctor. <laughs> My husband's like, Why don't you just go to the doctor? I'm like, no. Because in the States, like, just go to the doctor, it's astronomical. You know what I mean? So, like, he, right. I, it, I still have that mentality a bit because I'm like, oh, should I? Shouldn't I? Eh, I don't know. I know. I know. I'm it's, glad that you're here and you can just go. Everyone should have that left <laughs> Well, lucky for me, I haven't been too sick or hurt or anything and needed too much. But if I do, I can definitely go. And, like, well, I'm sure maybe you can even attest. Like, when I was pregnant, like, going to the doctor was like a breeze. Like, but if I were in the States, like, cause I have a heart murmur, which doesn't, doesn't factor into my, any, my everyday life at all. But during my pregnancy, it did. And going to the States, if I would have had to go do those extra tests that I would have had that I did here, it, I'd still be in debt for like the next 15 years just because of that. And it's crazy. Like to think of it that way for me anyway. I don't uh, like ignorance is bliss. I've been, even though I lived in the States and I worked in the States for many years, I always resided here or I lived in the States for short spans. I always thought to myself, if anything really happened, like anything really bad happens, I'm going to come home. Mm-hmm. I do not understand how women afford to have babies in the States. Like I've looked at the charts and I'm just like, how is that possible? How, how? Yeah, yeah it's, it's I don't. It, it is. And I, I feel bad for like friends of mine and stuff that have had kids. Cause I'm just like, I don't even know how, how you can afford anything after having a child and not being afforded these luxuries that we have here in Canada and stuff like that. But I mean, we could go on a tangent about that for like another, like (laughs) 
two or three episodes alone. That's true. <laughs> but going back to the knockout, so you said you've been watching the product in the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think about the return of the TNA uh, knockouts? Uh, well, I guess not TNA, rather, but the Impact yeah. Knockout tag team titles. It's exciting. It's so exciting. Um, I'm a big fan of the diversification of women's wrestling. And I think that's been the biggest element change in the past 10 years is getting out of the Divas era and not just having sexy blonde versus sexy brunette. We have characters, like actual characters that are, you know, marketed as larger than life, like the men and incorporating tag wrestling is just another diversification, giving women's careers longevity and giving the audience a, a snapshot into how much more women's wrestlers, women wrestlers are capable of. Um, you know, we've come so far from the five or six minute fluff matches and uh, I'm so excited to see what the knockouts are going to bring to the tag division 10 years after I had started it because, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, it was in its infancy and, you know, when I was there, we did our best, but talent, talent was different then and we were just growing. So now women's wrestling has, is so much more vast and diverse and the talent level skyrocketed. So I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with those, uh, tag tournaments. I've been thoroughly enjoying it. I'm a big fan. Me too. I have actually Nevea, which tags with Jessica Havoc there. Uh, her and I have tagged before. And like, I know oh. she's like a tag team specialist. Like that's something yes. she excels in. And I'm just like, I'm so excited that like, she has like this avenue to show like with tags being more, you know, uh, I guess a spotlight more on tag team wrestling for women now, because she's just brilliant in there. And not that not taking away from any of the other teams, that's just because I personally tagged with her. I, all the team, uh, excuse me, all the teams are absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know? And I'm, I'm just like, oh. yeah, I'm eating it up. Cause like, it's just, it's such for me when I see like people that I know, especially excelling, and like, I know pretty much, I, not all the girls, but I know a majority of them. And I'm just like, oh, I, oh, I'm so happy for them. Like, it, it like warms my heart, you know? Cause it's just like, That's, yes, yeah. show what That's you can I do. Feel too. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Uh, I always talk about how wrestling ebbs and flows and what's in vogue and, you know, thing, what's popular changes every few mm-hmm. years. And uh, I would say, uh, right now is probably the most comparable as it was 10 years ago. Um, we're bringing all what, what what's old is new and it, it's really exciting. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where we're going. Amazing. So now after TNA, I mean, you, I think you did a little bit of independent dates, didn't you? Or did you retire pretty much right away after you left TNA? So I retired and then I had a farewell match um forgive me I don't remember the promotion it was in San Francisco Mm -hmm. uh, against cheerleader Melissa and her husband's promotion so I had like this farewell match and then um I was training a group of women for roughly about a year um at at the squared circle where I had trained and Mm -hmm. I trained uh Noof who is Aaliyah on NXT uh, I gave her a start as well as the bubblegum princess, Alexia, Alexia. Nicole. 
Yeah. And uh, there was a bunch of other really wonderful girls, but I, I guess it just, you know, sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and As then, they say, it's not for everybody. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> not for the faint of heart. No, definitely. Or the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then I was just on to the next chapter. And then I thought, okay, well, what, what makes me just as excited as wrestling made me? And uh, I always knew I wanted to work in the emergency services. Mm-hmm. Actually, when I was 12, I told my parents, I want to join the military. That is what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And both of my parents were horrified, as you can imagine, that their little girl <laughs> wants to be a gun-toting army person. Um, so they kind of persuaded me to explore other options. But mm-hmm. uh, I deeply soul-searched, and uh, I looked into police and paramedicine and firefighting, and firefighting was just the one that spoke to me. And uh, I went to college for it, and I took, God, I don't know, 50 additional certificates in, like, emergency rescue, like, ice water rescue, and high angle rescue, and all these crazy additional courses to pad my resume. And it took me about four years of, like, aggressive application, and then I finally got hired as a full-time firefighter. That's amazing. Cause like, I remember listening to your, your podcast where you said like, you went back to college, you went for psychology, you got a, a BA yeah. in psychology as well. You volunteered at a women's shelter at one point as well. Yeah. And you basically said you were this misfit nomad with <laughs> zero resume after wrestling. So here you are <laughs> just trying in a short period of time to just add everything you can to that resume. Yeah. Yeah. I did you know what I, it was a dark time <laughs> um, because I never associated myself with being famous because famous in the wrestling world is very different than being famous in Hollywood per se. Definitely. Um, so I never felt like I had to remove myself, but there was a little bit of a, a weirdness becoming a civilian again, for lack of a better term. Um, but I, I've always, I like to believe I've always been pretty humble. So I needed a job immediately. Uh, and I, I just literally applied everywhere, retail, crappy office jobs, whatever. And I ended up, my first job, I think, was like at Forever 21, um, setting up a shop, like building like the racks and create, like building the models and all that, like just construction mm-hmm. type stuff. And I was like, what have I become? <laughs> 25 years old. I used to be on TV and I'm in Forever 21 building fucking mannequins. What wow, am I doing? Yeah. That's, that's quite a difference. <laughs> it was pretty humbling. Um, but, it, you know, it made, it, it made me hungry. Instead mm-hmm. of like sitting around and going like, I used to be someone and now I'm no one. It was like, no. This, I consciously chose to leave wrestling because mm-hmm. I was burnt out and I wanted something else. So yeah, I just threw myself into the deep end and it was, I'm such a different person because of it. Um, mentally, physically, uh, I'm so much happier. Oh my God, I'm so much happier. Yeah. And now that I'm happy and my world is normal, now I'd like to get back into wrestling and fuck it all up. 
<laughs> well, yeah, because I remember you were actually set to return this year in March Ooh. before the pandemic hit. So if let's say the pandemic somehow vanishes tomorrow, are you ready to step back in the ring very soon? Girl, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. No, uh, you know, truth be told, because I was uh, geared to go in March, uh, I've got fresh new exciting gear. Uh, I've been doing things I never did before. I've been working on who Taylor Wilde 2.0 is, and uh, I'm back. Uh, there's a wonderful training facility in Toronto in Liberty Village called Super Kicks that is run by Chris Chambers, which is a guy that I trained with when I first started out a million years ago, and now he owns the wrestling school, which is makes me feel very old. Um, <laughs> but I'm there at least once a week for two to three hours, and uh, at first it was like, okay, I'm 34, not 24. I really, yeah, I feel this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, I, I'm physically a lot stronger than I was 10 years ago because I used to train for aesthetic appeal. Like mm -hmm. I trained to be thin and look a certain way and I ate a certain way and I wouldn't say it was the healthiest um, mentally and physically. And then all my training changed to functional training because I have to lift people out of burning buildings and I have to run up six flights of stairs wearing an extra hundred pounds on my back. So everything is really different in the ring now. And I actually dare to say I feel better and I'm just as flexible and I got to put the time into my body to massage and physio. And so, yeah, like I, I feel really great. So yes, if, if all the stars align again, bet your ass, I am ready to go again. Need so, to push the button. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say that, you know, you don't have an opportunity, say with one of the bigger companies, but like some of the independents, maybe even like a shimmer, like I said earlier, because I know Dave Prezak would probably love to have you back on the roster. <laughs> but would that be an option for you as well? Like, are you looking maybe even independent dates? I am open to anything. Uh, but like I said, with, uh, with the way the world is right now, because I'm in Canada, you cannot travel unless you are essential. And the only way I could be essential is if I had an American work visa, uh, mm. which costs money and requires a major company. Uh, so Makes like sense. I said, I'm not turning my uh, back on anything. I am always open-minded. That's fantastic. Cause I would love to see what uh, Taylor Wilde 2.0 would be because <laughs> like I said, I loved, like, I hated that we never got to actually cross paths like in the ring, but I like loved watching yeah what I did know of you beforehand. And then obviously with the match with Lexi and then moving forward. So I would love to see what that, what that had in store for you. Cause that would be amazing. Oh. Well, thank you very much. That, uh, it's a little bit of positive reinforcement. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even though, like I said, you've been gone, you retired over 10 years ago now, but like, mm -hmm. there's still people much like myself that still remember who Taylor Wilde was in TNA. They remember Chantel Taylor from your independent days. They remember, you know, knowing that you were a WWE de developmental, like people still know that. And I think like with you doing wild on and you having the caliber guests that you have a lot of times as well, people that maybe didn't know of you at that time, or maybe like teenagers now who, you know, don't remember wrestling because they were like, you know, two or three, they're going to pick <laughs> up on, you know, things like this, you know, like, oh, yeah. she wrestled too. Let me go back. And the great thing about growing up now is you have YouTube and you can go back and check out all that stuff. Yeah, like, you're totally right. 
Yeah. When I was a young kid, like my big thing was I love Sensational Sherry, but I couldn't go back and watch Sensational Sherry stuff unless I went and found a VHS that she was on, you know, but now I'm like, this is golden because I can go back and look (laughs) at so much stuff on YouTube of hers and it's amazing. So, and they can do the same thing with you. Oh, you're right. Yes. Watch Taylor Wilde. Watch Sassy (laughs) Sassy. Look your girls up. We're important. Respect your elders. That's right. That's right. See, I, I always say like, I would love to come back and I'm, I'm around the same age as you are. And I'm like, but I just had a kid. I'm like, I'd like to have another one. And then I'm like, if I have another one, by the time, like my body and everything's ready to come back, I'm going to be 40. And I'm like, I don't really know if there's a place in wrestling for a 40 year old woman to come make a return, but you never know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying no, but I'm okay. Yeah. I'm just saying it's, most likely not going to happen, yeah, but I would I still love it too. Keep an open mind because it is a different world. If this was 10 years ago, no, there's no room for a 40 year old woman. Mm-hmm. There hadn't, hadn't been. Yeah. Whereas now the options are endless. You know, it doesn't have to be in a wrestling role. You could take all your knowledge and be a producer or an agent or yes. a writer or who knows, a, a podcaster for a major company and, you know, the, the possibilities are endless. So uh, keep an open mind. I don't know. I can't figure it out either. I don't know if I want more babies or I don't want more babies or I'm old or not. I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Cause at this age, you really don't have like, especially with wrestling, you don't really yeah. have like, okay, it's not impossible. Like maybe 10 years ago, a 30, 35 to 40 year old woman wouldn't have a chance, but now there's yeah. definitely the chance. I mean, look, jazz is at, in TNA right now or impact. They keep calling it TNA impact. Now <laughs> you have, you know, all these women, like Shayna Baszler is a bit older. I know that I don't know her exact age, but I know like people that are making like their WWE, you know, currently right now, just killing yeah. it. And they're in their late thirties, probably, or even older. So it's amazing what, you know, the time has changed. So I never say never. Yeah, right. Never say <laughs> So more things that I want to talk to you about is I found your Halloween episode to be amazing because you did like this witches and all this stuff. And like, I felt so in tune with it because I am huge. I love, I used to go personally and do ghost hunts. <gasps> and I've had so many experiences and I'm just like, I'm like, all, all the guests that you had on talking about their different experiences, I was like, oh my God, like, this is amazing. Cause when like, let's say five, six years ago, when I would tell people this, they'd be like, you are weird. And I'm like, yeah, what? it's ghost hunting, man. It's so much fun. You know, it's a different kind of adrenaline and stuff too. Yeah. People are just like, okay, sure. And now it's a, it's a little bit more mainstream, I guess, but it's yeah. still kind of weird for people to be like, oh yeah, I like to go to abandoned hospitals and prisons and just sit and wait and see what happens. <laughs> totally. I'm like, you and I are kindred spirits. And I think after doing that episode, especially, cause that was kind of like, like you said, it's more mainstream, but it's still like, you know, you put that out in the world, people are going to judge you. And yeah. I'm, to the point in my life where I like I don't give a shit. I am doing me. I am happy. This is who I am. If you think I'm weird, you either own it or move on. Yeah. But I'm with you. Like I love the paranormal. I love the occult. I love having the shit scared out of me. Normal, right? <laughs> well, see, as anything in real life, yes. But like, if you expect me to watch a horror movie, I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'll pass. But see, I also like, 
with with like uh, the witchcraft and everything that you guys were talking about on on that that specific episode, I went to a ghost hunt in it was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and this is probably ten or so years ago. And there was an uh, cult shop that was down the street, and the lady actually came to this place that we were doing our ghost hunt at. And she was uh, giving us like different types of uh, herbs and spices and stuff that she had mixed together with a little poem. And it was amazing because it was basically like, I'm coming in and I'm going to respect you. I wish that you would do the same with me. So it was like, you never had, like, I've never had an episode where I've gone somewhere and I've had something negative happen to me. Like you see like these people that like, oh, I got scratched or I got punched. My things have always been extremely positive. Like there was one time I did- I did um, the show Ghost Adventures. I did, what's it called? A convention with them. And we actually did a ghost hunt with them in the um, Ohio State Reformatory, which is actually, if if you like the movie Shawshank Redemption, this is the same prison. It was filmed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they set us up in in these cells and we're like... 10 cells apart from everybody else. You know, you're not like right on top of each other because you don't want the noise to really like cause any kind of difficulties. So I'm sitting there, I had my voice recorder on and all this stuff and I'm sitting there and it's just this chain bed. It's so uncomfortable, but you're in there for like a half hour. It's freaky as all get out because it's like three o'clock in the morning. And I didn't hear anything at that time. But like at the end of the thing, when I went back and listened to my voice recorder at the end where you hear, okay, everybody please come out of your cells. The whatever being was with me was like, thank you. And it was like this deep manly voice and there was nobody else around me. I was actually on the end. So like to hear that, I was like, oh, how am I in a prison? And I got the nice ghost. <laughs> you had the polite ghost. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's crazy. Cause there's been a lot of stories that happen there where people have hung themselves from, from the yeah. uh, cell blocks and stuff like that. So like I was like, how do I get the polite one? I've been <laughs> hugged before too. And like, so like I've always went in with like, with the poem that she had, I, I kind of made it to my own liking where like, I'm coming in yeah. to respect you and to learn about yeah. you. If you would like me to learn about you, please make your presence known to me. And I've never had anything negative happen. I think there's something huge to that because I think like, I do love the paranormal. I love the occult. I love counterculture a part of it wasn't a choice. Like I was always really intuitive as a kid. I always had issues with like seeing things, hearing things. And like my parents always just shrugged it off as, oh, she's just, you know, being a kid, being, being silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as I aged, I kind of just blocked it out. But I've always had a huge respect for like cemeteries. And when with my job, I'm always dealing with the dead and whether I say it out loud or I think it myself, uh, I always am doing that same kind of mantra. Like I, you know, this is out of respect. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your pain. You're not alone. You're loved. And I haven't had negative experiences, but I may have had experiences with ghosts who were not pleased. I've had mm-hmm. a lot of issues. Like there's a fire hall, um, near High Park in Toronto and it used to be uh, a jail in like the 1800s and the cells were in the basement where the gym is Uh, and it's basically like a little like they still have the hayloft in the top of the barn like it's so old wow and uh, we we, I was sleeping it was like you know the death hour or whatever it was like 2 a.m. 
and uh, I thought one of the guys were fucking with me. Uh, they, all of a sudden, I just I, I was in a starfish on my face, sleeping, and I thought somebody was pushing me into the mattress, like or like uh, like standing on my bed and putting all their force and pushing me into the mattress to the point where I like giggled. I was like, okay, fuck off. Like, you know, sometimes we yeah. screw around the hall, we throw toilet paper at each other when we're sleeping or whatever. And then I like, I was, I looked in my peripheral and I was like, no one's standing on the bed. No one's standing on the bed. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this like pressure on me and I couldn't move. I was like totally paralyzed. And that's, not the first time that's happened to me in mm. my sleep so now I'm really into like smudging and saging and like <laughs> cleansing my my areas and I know we sound totally bonkers but there's no way <laughs> that this many people have so many similar stories and all we are are balls of energy and that energy has to go somewhere mm-hmm. so that's that's my belief system when it comes to ghosts same here. And for those who are hearing crazy little sounds in the background, apparently my son has not taken his nap today. So it's not ghosts. <laughs> if you're hearing any background noise, because <laughs> I can hear them running around upstairs and dropping things. So just so you know, no paranormal stuff happening at this moment on Talking Sass. We're just talking about it. <laughs> sounds like an episode of Wild Odd. My child sounds like he's locked in the closet half the time screaming. So it's cool. Well, at least he's, he's not screaming, at least, but I can, uh, he yeah. likes, for some reason, taking Christmas tree bulbs off the uh, tree and just dropping them. So I'm sure that's probably what he's doing now. Yeah. I hope they're all plastic. Uh, most of them, yeah. The, high, the ones that, are, that I don't want anything to happen to are higher on the tree where he can't reach nice. them. Smart so it's funny. Move. Yeah, the bottom of the tree looks kind of barren and then like the top, everything's like crammed in there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it happens. Beautiful. another thing that I wanted to talk to you about as well, because I was like, wow, I have so much in common with you that I didn't expect besides the wrestling part of it was you posted some pictures the other day of, I'm guessing it was your wall where it says Queens, uh, respecting Queens. And you had like Gwen Stefani and RuPaul. And another big thing that like, I find that I'm really deep in tune with is the LGBTQ community. And I love, 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 love RuPaul's drag race. I am a huge fan so I'm guessing because she was on your wall, you also are a big fan of the drag race. Oh God, I love drag race. It's, I, I, I don't even know where to begin with drag race. Like, so in the nineties when RuPaul mm-hmm. uh, did Supermodel, yeah. a big hit, um, I was completely infatuated with her. Like I was so young that I didn't really understand that she was a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just thought she was, so strikingly beautiful and confident and amazing so like from a young age I was completely infatuated with her and then uh, when I was young like 16 17 I started hanging out in the um um called the gayborhood the uh gay lgbt lgbtq area of toronto mm-hmm. uh, i started hanging out at the nightclubs there and i really learned about drag culture firsthand and i realized how freeing it was and how open and loving and fun and then when drag race came out i was like oh my God, this is the best thing ever because i don't like american idol i don't really like yeah. amazing race i'm not really into reality tv you give me a show of drag queens yes and when they did Canada's Best Drag Race, 
Oh, uh, see, I don't get that in Montreal. I don't have crepe. So I haven't, I have yet to see it, but I will eventually get to it. Cause I love Brooklyn Heights too, by the way. She's amazing. Ooh, amazing. But, yes. When things calm down again and we're allowed to have big crowds of people, you have to come to Montreal for pride because they do a free drag show every year. Last year they had like 25,000 people and it's all RuPaul's Drag Race Queens mixed in with a few local Queens from here. And I'm sure Canada's Drag Race will also join that this, the, the next time they're able to, to perform this. It yes. is amazing. 25,000 people in a big park, just like loving each other, having a great time, being entertained. It's, to me, it's like the most beautiful thing in the world. Every time I go, I'm just so in love with the whole situation. Sign me up. Yeah, me and my girlfriends went to Pride for years until we had uh, World Pride in Toronto. And it was just too crazy. Like it was, yeah, too insane. Uh, and then now I, I like I don't do crowds, but I, I, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah, it's it's like if you try to go up front, obviously you're like packed like sardines. But if you're in the back, it's more yeah. more spread out, and you're just they have big screens everywhere so that you can see what's going on. Like last year, I remember my friend's mom went with went with us because she's entertained by it as well, and she kind of like sat on yeah. the side, like in some picnic area, and like we just found like a nice little area where we actually sat on the grass and watched it on like a big screen oh. for a while. It was amazing, such a great thing. That's Hey everybody, just wanted to take a minute to tell you about my friend and big supporter of the show, Apparel Line, Ruddy Lad. My wardrobe is filled with these t-shirts. They're so comfortable and I am not the only one who feels this way. You can find celebrities enjoy them too. Everyone from WWE's Big E, Sheamus, Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown, UFC icon Chuck Liddell and Conor McGregor's training team, to the Backstreet Boys, Sync. Bono from U2, Phil X from Bon Jovi, and actors too, such as Chad Michael Murray, and so many more. Ruddy Lad was also featured on Dragon's Den on Netflix. So head over to ruddylad.com, help support them, and make sure raise some proper mischief. So I know it's very hard to pick a queen from RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, there's, like I said, there's so many of them. But if you can narrow it down... I'm going to go with Sharon Needles because she was the first spooky queen mm -hmm. and Alaska because, oh my God, the way she talks, it's just, I, I, I die. I die laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and she's so weird looking and bizarre, but beautiful at the same time. And they're it's just both total freaks and they own it and it works for them. And that's, like I said, I love RuPaul and, you know, you've actually had on your podcast, which is something I want to talk about a lot of LGBTQ people like Sunny Kiss, you've had Jamie on as well. I mean, let's talk a little bit about your podcast before we wrap this up so that everybody knows where they can go and find you. Yes. Uh, Wild On is available on any major podcast platform. So your Spotify, Apple Music, its main base is on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.com, just type in Wild On, that's where you'll find me. Um, and we upload a new episode every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. That's right, because you get wild on Wednesdays. Wild on Wednesdays. Thank you for saying that. No problem. No problem. Well, tell everybody if you have your social media where they can find you, and also if you have like any merchandise that you want to talk about at all. Yes, absolutely. Um, so you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Real Taylor Wild. That's Wild with an E. 
And uh, I do have some t-shirts up on Pro Wrestling Tees. So it's just Taylor Wilde t-shirt store. We've got some really fun 80s designs as well as just some specific Wild On t-shirts. So if you're looking for Christmas presents, go get your own Taylor Wilde Wild On t-shirt. All right. Fantastic. Everybody, please make sure you go check out uh, Wild On with Taylor Wilde. Make sure you follow her on social media. And it's been such a blessing to have you. And I can't wait. Maybe we'll do another one once you get back on uh, the wrestling horse and get things going there. That would be really great. And I'll try not to have a screaming toddler in the background. No worries. Like I said, <laughs> it's light. It's a life being a mama. Hey guys, once again, we have our segment with Dan Murphy coming up and I'm so excited because he is in the festive mood, just like myself. And also on top of that, just last week, he had a virtual signing for his new book, The Thing in the Water. And I'm so excited to have him on. We could talk about that as well. So everybody put your hands together for Dan Murphy. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. Like you said, I'm feeling a little festive. I have my uh, beard balls going and the hat and I don't have the nice exotic, uh, oh, exotic tiger skin, <laughs> leopard skin fur that you've got going on, but ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I got the little Carol Baskins thing going on here. From uh, <laughs> That's the thing of the year, right? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's totally it. Very nice. So what's going on for the month of December? Well, first... Let's talk about your book signing for the month of December, because that was pretty yeah. awesome last week. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've done a few books on uh, Western New York history and obviously my wrestling books, uh, Sisterhood of the Squared Circle. And I've got a couple stories from that. I want to go with two quick things today that happened in December. So I'm in a giving mood like Santa Claus. I'm going <laughs> with the double. Uh, but I wrote my first novel uh, that came out uh, really September, but... Uh, I kind of stopped it and re-released it because I had to fix a couple things in it, but it's out now. It's on Amazon. It is called The Thing in the River. This is a copy. Uh, so feel free to look it up on Amazon. Basically kind of a horror story thriller about a thing, a being, an entity, whatever it may or may not be that lives in the Niagara River that may be responsible for basically, you know, all of the suicides of people over Niagara Falls, everything throughout history that this thing may have been responsible for that. Or the person who thinks it is might slowly be losing his mind. And that's kind of the story. And he has to figure out whether or not this thing really exists or it doesn't and, and where it goes from there. So Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of people have compared it to like uh, uh, the Mothman prophecies. So if you kind of like the, the a cryptids or a cult or, or not a cult, but the cryptids and, and kind of mystery thriller, this would, uh, this would kind of appeal to you, hopefully. I love like little side fun fact. I love cryptozoology and all that kind of like fun. Is this a real creature or not thing? Oh, I love it. So yeah, definitely be into that. <laughs> same with me. So I was definitely, I had that in my mind when I uh, kind of wrote this. So yeah, you'll enjoy it. I can't wait. Okay. But that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about history. We're talking December. And I, I mentioned I've got two items here. So first one, and these are both fairly recent history. I remember both of them occurring myself. First one, December 28th, 1984. Does that date seem familiar to you? Does it make you not any to, ideas? Not to age myself, but I was only nine months old. So That's about <laughs> what I figured. Yeah, I know. Okay. So you make me feel bad because I remember this happening, but this was the WWF's uh, Christmas show at Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. And what they did for that show was they brought in Dick Clark to give a special achievement award to Cindy Lauper. 
Dilopper had been the manager for Wendy Richter for the past year, was really kind of the, the integral part of the whole rock and wrestling connection that got the WWF on MTV and really kind of got it introduced to a whole new national audience that the WWF had never had. Uh, but at that event, Cindy Lauper gets the award from Dick Clark. She presents a, an award to the WWF, which is given to Hulk Hogan and Wendy Richter. Hogan and Wendy Richter leave the ring afterwards. And she calls out Captain Lou Albano, presents him with a gold record and recognition of all that he had done for MS research. This is when Rowdy Roddy Piper and Cowboy Bob Orton came to the ring. Piper takes the award, kind of goes back and forth with Captain Lou, smashes the record over Captain Lou's head, pushes Cindy Lauper. She goes down. He kind of kicks her. He always said he kicked her in the face. He just kind of shrugged her off, really. But she sold it. She flew. She went nuts. And uh, body slammed her manager, David Wool. And what that basically did, and if you go back and watch it on YouTube, I, I highly recommend it. The crowd, it's nuclear heat. The crowd goes nuts. And it set all of the, 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 the uh, uh, momentum for the first WrestleMania. Because all of a sudden you had Hulk Hogan who ran out to make the save against the ultimate villain in Roddy Piper. You had Cindy Lauper and you had Wendy Richter as the huge baby face. That one day in December of 1984 completely set the stage for the very first WrestleMania. And look at what WrestleMania has grown to become. So that was kind of the beginning of WrestleMania. I so love that one. story. Okay, good. Number two, you'll probably remember a little bit better because okay. you weren't nine months old. You were a little <laughs> bit older. December 18th, 1995. Okay, so I was like 11 at that time. 11. Okay, so you, you might have watched this. Probably. What this one was, was uh, WCW Monday Nitro. Mm -hmm. About five days after being released from her contract, Alundra Blaze, Medusa Maselli, shows up in WCW. Um, basically, and you know the story, obviously. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure you know Medusa <laughs> and, and you've met her. Uh, she was let go by WWF. They didn't have anything for her. And uh, Eric Bischoff called, said, hey, do you still have the title belt by chance? She said that she did, but she had to give it back to Vince. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you come down and uh, bring the belt with you? So as we mentioned in uh, the book, Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, she shows up at Nitro that night with the belt, not knowing what they wanted to do. Bischoff says, here's what we'd like to do. We'd like you to come out and drop it in the trash can. And real quick, this is what she had to say to that. I have a copy here, Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, The Complete History of Women's Pro Wrestling. Um, she basically says, okay, uh, here we go. I brought the belt, not knowing what was going to happen. And then he came in and said, Hey, Deuce, where's that belt? I said, I got it, but I've got to give it back. Well, how about you throwing that title in the trash tonight, live on TV, just so I get it back. I need to get it to Vince. That's all I was thinking. I wasn't thinking I was going to make this all the shit that happened. I never thought it would blow up the way it did. And I was kind of hurt that I was one of the first to go because I worked so hard being let go from the WWF. I love my job in wrestling. So I said, yeah, I can do that just so long as I get it back. It's probably no big deal. I thought, God, this is going to be a great angle. People are going to love this. People are going to talk about it. And they did. It's still considered as one of the opening salvos in the Monday Night Wars. It wasn't really until 2015 when Medusa was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame that everything was patched up. There was some severe bad blood between her and Vince McMahon and the WWE after that. But it was this kind of turning point. And ironically enough, they brought in Medusa for the new women's division in WCW and never built a women's division around her. Uh, about six months afterwards, she was back to being a valet. There was really no one challenging for the title, and it was eventually just kind of scrapped and uh, never referred to again. 
I love her so very much. Like, it's crazy. Like, I've told this story, I think, on um, Allison Danger's podcast, like with Medusa. Like, oh, like there's Sensational Sherry and then there's Medusa for me. That's like my one and two. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, Tristratus, Lita. I'm like, yeah, they're three, four, five down the, down the line. <laughs> but there's, you have no Sensational Sherry. Or you have no Lita and Trish without Sensational sharing without Medusa. Like those are two hands down. Wrestling, everything. Of course, you can go above that and say, you know, Mula and Mae Young and all that too. But more my era, those two are like the it's for me. You could never have Lita or Trish or anybody that's come after if it wasn't for Sensational Sherry and Medusa, especially because at that time in the 80s, there was really a thought that you know, women's wrestling could never sell, it could never work. And they faced a lot of challenges politically with the boys, with the travel, and uh, they really kind of rose above it. And they left an indelible mark on the business. So yeah, you're right. It wouldn't, there would be no Trish or knockouts or divas or anything afterwards if it weren't for the two of them and the ones who came before them. And, you know, it's so funny. I don't know, probably a month or two ago, Medusa actually posted a shoot promo, I guess it was, between her and Sensational Sherry on her Twitter. And I was just like, this is fantastic. Because <laughs> I had never seen it. <laughs> and it was so good. Because she's like, you know, basically saying Sensational Sherry was sleeping around and that's how she was getting her power and how it was shit and all this. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah it was a pipe bomb before there were pipe bombs Absolutely. yeah exactly yeah. oh man such a that's such a great piece of history and i mean when she came back to wwe for the hall of fame i mean they even put the title in the trash can on the t-shirt i actually have that shirt upstairs that's it and and yeah. she gave a speech and, and she kind of brought it all back and she mentions this we, we have it quoted in the book uh which i meant i say we i, I co-wrote it with pat laprod mm -hmm. so that's why i say we um but uh, says that, you know, she brought the belt out of the, the garbage can at the Hall of Fame and said it's back where it belongs here in the WWE. So, yeah, it was the way of kind of full, coming full circle on that. But at the time, she did the angle, went along with it, never realizing how big of a deal it would be. And it's really been the one moment that defined her career. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, her and Bolnacano are like iconic to me. And I hope that, you know, more people that especially got into wrestling later, maybe the Attitude Era and so on, go back and see some of their fights because amazing. And, you know, it's sad that this kind of overshadows her actual wrestling career because, like you said, in WCW, they didn't actually do anything with it after the fact. Yep. So well, definitely go check go out Medusa and Bull Nakano. Bull Nakano and Medusa, and you can also check out the Alundra Blaze Survivor Series match. Um, <laughs> I, I, Aja Kong, I believe, is, was in that Bulnacano, a few others. That match, as you just watched the spots, it was literally 10, 15, 20 years ahead of what the guys were doing. And it holds up so well today because it looks like wrestling in 2020 back in 1993, 94. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, when you compare the, what the guys were doing to what the women were doing, they were just blowing them out of the water. The fans yeah. really didn't even know how to react to it. Well, I mean, to me... I know a lot of Dave Frazak will say a lot of the um, the inspiration for Shimmer was Sensational Sherry, but I also think you have to throw Medusa in there because she was doing American Joshi style before anybody else, really. Yeah, 
Yeah, she popularized. In fact, mm -hmm. that was her thing with the WF was uh, once she got her push, she wanted to bring in all of the Japanese girls she had worked with because she didn't think that anyone in the U.S. could, could kind of hang with her, to be perfectly right. honest. Yeah. I don't think anybody it, at that time could either. <laughs> it angered a lot of people at the time. It did not make Alundra Blaze or Medusa popular at the time because there were a lot of women who, who thought that they got uh, passed over for spots because Alundra wanted to work with the Japanese girls. But you look at the quality of the matches that they had, and they were fantastic, even if it wasn't really highly pushed by the WWF at the time. Yeah, it's so great to have like the WWE Network and YouTube to go back and check out some of these amazing matches and amazing moments in wrestling history that, you know, say 10 years ago, we weren't able to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I, I much prefer doing that than uh, watching the current product. Some things, <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree yeah. with you on that. Some of the things I'm like, oh, okay. But other things I'm like, right now they're doing great too. So it's just hard without a crowd, in my opinion. Absolutely. Very much. So. All right, Dan. Well, thank you so much. I could talk about Alundra Blaze or Medusa all night long because, like I said, <laughs> she's my number two. But thank you. I appreciate it. And you know what? I look forward to your history lesson in 2021. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year again. Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, The Thing in the River. Check it out, guys. They make great stocking stuffers. And I'll see you in uh, 2021. Hopefully, it will be a much better year than 2020. Let's hope with that fresh restart everybody so desperately needs at this point. <laughs> All right, guys. Absolutely. Happy holidays. Until next time. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Since 2012, HIC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the wrestling historian with Craig Legon every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at VOCNation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation Radio Network and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIAC Wrestling Podcast today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact. Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez. And former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern. And, of course, In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And, by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Hola, 
This is your amiga, Shelly from Cali, to let you know you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheese mess, spill a little tea. Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.